Welcome to Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you're a busy woman struggling with hormonal issues like PCOS, fertility struggles, and other hormone imbalances, and you feel like you're the boss of your life in every area but your hormones, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Melissa Groves Azero, integrative women's health dietitian, coffee lover, cat lady, all black wearing, former New York City advertising exec turned professional period fairy. It's my mission to be the no BS hormone nutrition education resource for smart women struggling with hormone imbalances so you can have regular symptom-free periods and optimize your fertility naturally. I'm here to share real, actionable, science-based tips you can use to get real results without cutting out foods, spending hours in the gym or meal prepping, and without losing sleep, because we're all about balance here at The Hormone Dietitian, and I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Before you start thinking about what New Year's resolutions to make for 2022, let's take a moment to revisit your resolutions for 2021. Did you resolve to quit sugar, lose 30 pounds, exercise five days a week? How did it go for you? Did you follow a 30-day elimination diet last January only to eat all the candy come Valentine's Day? Did you even make it through all 31 days of January without a single bite of sugar or a drop of alcohol? Did you re-up in the spring and go on another diet for bathing suit season? Are you still on that diet now? According to the most commonly cited statistic, only 8% of people actually achieve what they set out to do in their New Year's resolutions. So instead of coming up with a list of unrealistic, unachievable goals for 2022 or following an impossibly restrictive diet and then feeling guilt and shame for not achieving your goals, I'm going to share 22 small, actionable ideas you can consider for 2022 instead. Let's dive in. First, why do so many New Year's resolutions fail? Well, the biggest reason is that the goals that we set for ourselves are not realistic or specific enough. We may set a goal to lose weight or eat healthier without laying out a plan for how we're going to get there. Or we may resolve to follow whatever the latest, hottest diet is only to beat ourselves up when we can't follow it. I like to make smart goals instead. You can look this up, um, but Briefly, um, SMART goals are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. So when we're talking about specific goals, that means don't be too vague. Be really concrete and tangible in what you are setting. Measurable, uh, meaning that you know there's a way to track your progress and see if you're meeting your goals or not. Attainable means you should reasonably be able to accomplish your goal in the time frame that you have set. Um, for example, losing 100 pounds in one month is not attainable. 
Um, your goals should be relevant, uh, meaning that your goals should align with your values and your long-term goals. And your goals should be time-bound. So you want to set a realistic time frame. For example, instead of, I want to exercise more, which is a pretty common New Year's resolution, a smart goal would be, I plan to be able to run 30 minutes straight by June, and I will do this by running three times a week and increasing the minutes I run by five minutes per week. You could even get more specific and say where you'll do this running, what days of the week, what time of the day, etc. So is this goal specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound? Yes to all of those. If your goal is to run a 5K by June, which is around 30 minutes of running, then you start with running five minutes consistently, then adding on to that. A six-month time frame times five minutes equals 30 minutes. So you've given yourself a goal and a plan on how you're going to get there. Boom, you are there. So go ahead and register for that 5K in June. Now that we've established what SMART goals look like, I want to share 22 actionable habits you may want to consider when making your goals for the coming year. Before I get started, I just wanted to let you know that I created a freebie for you to go along with this episode. So if you go to the show notes uh, page for this episode, you can download the 22 New Year's resolution hacks for 2022. Um, You can print it out and refer back to it as you're setting your goals for next year. Let's get started. Number one cook more meals at home. Cooking your own meal pretty much guarantees that it's going to be healthier and less processed than anything that you'd get for a takeout. You know, don't go overboard committing to meal planning five nights a week right off the bat, especially if you're not cooking much or at all right now, is likely to end with a call to your favorite local takeout joint on speed dial. So start where you are. If you're only cooking one night a week or not at all, add one night a week and keep it simple. There is absolutely nothing wrong with heating up a packet of frozen rice, adding some rotisserie chicken from the grocery store and steamed frozen vegetables for a complete meal. Um, Or you could make a veggie omelet for dinner for a quick and balanced breakfast for dinner meal. Um, If you're ready for something more adventurous, you could try a meal delivery service or meal kits. Um, I personally use Sunbasket when I need a break, um, but there are tons of them out there. Uh, Most of the recipes in the kits take less than 30 minutes to make, and you save time on shopping and actually end up cutting down on food waste. Some people do well with meal prepping or cooking a bunch of stuff on the weekend to eat all week. Um, Or you could consider ingredient prepping, meaning chopping and cleaning vegetables, etc., to set yourself up for quicker meals during the week. My book, A Balanced Approach to PCOS, is 16 weeks of meal plans set up exactly that way. You do do a little chopping and light cooking at the beginning of the week, but then you pull from those ingredients to make your meals more quickly during the week. Number two, 
order healthier takeout. So, you know, let's be realistic here. Nobody, not even dietitians, cooks dinner every single night, especially over the last year and a half where, you know, I was basically prepping three meals a day, every day. You know, in in my house, we typically end up ordering in one or two nights a week if I have late night meetings or Mr. Avocado has basketball games. Um, But that's really, you know, no excuse to throw your healthy eating out the window just because you're ordering takeout. Sometimes it can take a little bit of creativity in ordering, but most menus have options for protein, fat, and fiber. Um, There are fresh vegetables and quality proteins in most cuisines. Um, Asian restaurants in particular make eating healthy pretty easy. Um, From a Chinese restaurant, I will resist the urge to order the fried sesame shrimp Uh, and instead order steamed shrimp and mixed veggies with sauce on the side. Maybe I'll add my own avocado or a dash of olive oil for a healthy fat. From a Japanese restaurant, I'll order sashimi platter and split a fun roll with Mr. Avocado and order the seaweed salad and edamame on the side. Vietnamese is a regular for us. We have a great restaurant here um, and I'll get a big bowl of veggie pho or grilled shrimp and rice noodles. Uh, Mexican food can also be healthy. I usually do shrimp tacos or a bean burrito bowl on brown rice or greens, um, or I ask them to make the bowl with half rice and half greens, which is kind of the best of both worlds. Um, Takeout pizza is definitely a little bit more challenging to make healthy, but if you split a small veggie loaded pizza and then pair it with a big green salad and protein on the side, um, something like a grilled chicken Caesar salad, then you've got all of the components of a healthy meal. So really, you know, explore beyond your usual go-to takeout options uh, the next time you order. Be realistic with this one as well. If you are ordering takeout three times a week, maybe you still allow yourself a fun meal one of those times, but the majority of what you're eating should align with your long-term goals. Number three, eat more plants. There's no denying that eating plants is good for our bodies and for the environment. Try aiming to make three quarters of your plate plants and incorporate one or two meatless meals a week. Um, It can be fun to try Meatless Monday, for example. Legumes are a good option. Um, You can find my red lentil stew on my website. That is a go-to for me for lunches during the winter. If you have PCOS, do be aware that legumes have just as much carbohydrates as they do protein. So you might want to still be mindful of your total carb consumption. Soy can be another good option once or twice a week. I recommend whole soy like tofu or tempeh and not the imitation meat products that can be filled with inflammatory oils and other not so healthy ingredients. Snacks are also a great place to eat more plants. Um, You can pair nuts with fruit for a classic combo, Um, whether you're having apple or banana with peanut butter, handful of cashews and an almond, tamari roasted almonds and berries, you get the picture. 
If you want to try this one, uh, make sure that you have at least one plant on your plate at all meals and snacks. Number four, try one new food every week. Most of us tend to stick with the basics, apples, bananas, broccoli, brown rice, pasta. Um, When I'm making my grocery list from scratch, those are the kind of things that I tend to write on the list. Uh, But when was the last time that you had a kumquat or rutabaga or teff? When I was a kid, I used to beg my parents to try new fruits and veggies at the market. Now that I'm grown and I have my own money, I just have to remember to actually do it. You know, and I usually accomplish this by actually going to the grocery store, which isn't typically my task. That's usually a Mr. Avocado job. Um, But I like to go and see what's new at the market. Um, At the moment, I have watermelon radishes in my fridge that I picked up at the local food co-op last week. Those are not new to me, but they are definitely a favorite. One of my favorite recent-ish finds has been kiwi berries, which are tiny baby kiwis with no fur. Um, So you eat the whole thing. They are delicious. Eating a wide variety of foods gives us a broad range of phytonutrients that are specific to each plant. And the more diverse our diet, the more diverse our gut microbiome, which is a good thing. So the next time you're in a market, pick up a new fruit, veggie, or whole grain to try. Um, Google can be very helpful here if you don't know what to do with it. Number five, be active every day. Being active doesn't have to be restricted to going to the gym, which is usually crazy busy in January anyway. A recent study showed that 7,000 steps a day can reduce uh, your risk of death from all causes. So if 10,000 a day seems unattainable, strive for 7,000. There's just as much benefit. If you're starting at 1,000 or 2,000, you want to increase that number gradually and mindfully. Find some ways to incorporate more movement into your day-to-day life and activities. Since I've been working entirely from home, which has you know pretty much been the case since January 2020, um, I have to get a little more creative when it comes to movement. I like to take a walk in the morning if it's nice out or at lunch, do some stretches or squats or planks in between clients. Um, investing in home exercise equipment because of the pandemic uh, has been a nice benefit that I didn't anticipate. I used to be um, a workout at the gym only kind of person. And now it's nice to have the option to just kind of hop on a machine and do a quick cardio workout. Um you know, and I don't have to get dressed up or drive or, you know, make a whole event out of it. When I was going to the gym, I would try to do things like sign up for a spinning class or a bar class after work. Um, Because once you sign up, then you have to go or you lose your money, basically. Um, I always used to keep a set of gym clothes and sneakers in my car just in case I found myself somewhere with time to kill. Um, And I like to plan weekend activities that have movement built in, like a hike or a bike ride or a walk 
or a yoga class um, with Mr. Avocado or a friend instead of meeting for coffee or dinner. Um, These days, since buying a house, a lot of that activity has been coming from yard work on the weekends. Uh, This past weekend, uh, we were raking and I got, I believe, 18,000 steps on Saturday and 21,000 steps on Sunday. Every day, um, at the, you know, towards the end of the day, you want to ask yourself, what have I done to be active today? Um, for some people, a fitness tracking device like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch can help you meet your goals. If you're someone who likes data, other people find them too triggering. So really, you know, just kind of go with, with how you respond to them. Number six, drink more water. Do you find yourself getting tired in the afternoon? Um, Do you usually end up reaching for caffeine? Next time, try downing a glass of water instead. Hydration is key to keeping everything in your body flowing properly, and we often forget to drink enough, especially during the colder months. Have a glass of water first thing in the morning when you wake up before your coffee and breakfast. Bring a reusable a glass or stainless steel water bottle with you everywhere you go so you can avoid BPA and other hormone disruptors found in plastics. And yes, herbal teas, calorie-free seltzer totally count in helping you meet your daily hydration goals. Number seven, prioritize sleep. I know this one is definitely easier said than done, but getting enough sleep can make a world of difference when it comes to your health and your mood. Try to go to bed at the same time every night and wake up at the same time every morning. If you're having trouble falling asleep, take a good look at your bedtime routine. Are you using electronics too close to bedtime? Are you getting yourself all riled up watching the nightly news? Maybe try relaxing with a book and some chamomile tea instead to let your body know that it's time to start winding down. Put some lavender oil in a diffuser or humidifier in the bedroom to help soothe and relax you. If you're still having trouble, try a sleep app or maybe even some magnesium to help. I admit I am not perfect in many, many areas of my life, including wellness areas, uh, but my sleep is absolutely sacred to me. I am in bed, eyes shut by 10 p.m. every night, no exceptions. Um, I I seriously swear this is 99% of my keys to success. But also, I know that I'm a nightmare and pretty much useless if I have gotten one minute less than seven hours a night. So I make sure to get my butt in bed early enough to make that happen. Hey there. So before we get back to the rest of the episode, I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about a new workshop I've put together called PCOS Meal Prep Made Easy. If you're like most folks I hear from, you're confused and overwhelmed by all the conflicting info out there about what to actually eat with PCOS. And you may feel like you don't even know where to start. In this hour-long workshop, I break down what foods you want to include for PCOS and what you might want to consider avoiding or minimizing. 
and I share my simple three-step formula for planning meals with PCOS. The best part is it does not involve spending hours in the kitchen. Yes, you can absolutely incorporate this formula while cooking at home, but what's really great is that you can apply it no matter where you are in a restaurant, getting takeout, at a family meal, or even while traveling. Head over to thehormonedietitian.com forward slash easy PCOS, all one word, to sign up now. Signing up is your first step to finally understanding how to eat to manage PCOS. All right, cool. I'll see you there. Let's get back to the episode. Number eight. Add protein to every meal and snack. You know, it can be easy when you're focusing on New Year's resolutions to think about the things that you want to cut out. Um, Instead, I'm going to suggest that you try adding in more protein. Protein helps you stay full longer, stabilizes your blood sugar, and keeps your insulin levels lower. So I'm not going to tell you that you can't have pancakes for breakfast or spaghetti for dinner or popcorn for a snack. I'm going to tell you to add some protein powder to those pancakes or eat an egg on the side to add some shrimp or turkey or meatballs to that spaghetti and to eat a cheese stick or a handful of nuts with that popcorn. This one simple change is the one that makes the biggest difference for my clients Aim for a minimum of 25 to 30 grams per meal and 8 to 10 grams per snack. Number nine, add a veggie to your breakfast. Only 9% of Americans eat the daily recommended daily amount of fruits and vegetables recommended by the USDA. And those recommendations are pretty modest because they recommend five a day. However, studies have shown that even bigger health benefits are seen with eight or more servings of fruits and veggies a day. Um, So really, you know, take a look at how your intake compares to that. One way to up your number is to add a serving or two of fruits and veggies to your breakfast, which is kind of a forgotten meal when it comes to vegetable intake. An egg omelet or a veggie scramble is an easy way to get more veggies in at breakfast. You can prep some small containers of onions, peppers, mushrooms, tomatoes, spinach, etc. at the beginning of each week, and then just toss them in as you go to vary it up a little. Add some salsa, avocado, and black beans, and you're up to around three servings of veggies just with breakfast. And don't forget to think beyond the omelet. Um, It's just as easy to throw some veggies in your morning smoothie. Uh, Cucumbers, carrots, spinach, kale, beet, zucchini, and pumpkin um, all make really great additions to a smoothie blend. I have had clients who add cauliflower to their smoothies, which is a little hardcore for me. Um, I find that I really can taste it, but if you can do that, then go for it. Um, My go-to meal when I was working in advertising was always two hard-boiled eggs. I would throw them in the pot, shower, get out of the shower, take them out of the pot, and then go to work. And I would pair that with a cup of cherry tomatoes. I don't know why I like that combo so much, but it worked for me at the time. Number 10, 
eat fish two times a week. Swap meat out for fish at least two times a week to reap the benefits of its anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acids. For the highest omega-3 content, you want to be choosing fatty fish like wild salmon, sardines, and mackerel. If you're not quite ready to start cooking fish at home yet, you can buy canned fish or save your fish eating for nights when you do eat out. Number 11, pack your lunch. Do you want to save money and benefit your health? Packing a lunch is the way to go. If you don't mind repetitive lunches, you can make one big batch of something on the weekend and pack it into four meal prep containers. I have a nice set of glass meal prep containers that I pack Mr. Avocado's salads for the weekend, and they were about $20 for the set. And yes, I do make my husband's lunches. Um, Yes, I am still a feminist. Uh, He does lots of the cooking and all of the dishwashing too. Um, And I do way more than half of the yard work if we're keeping track. We don't really stick with gender roles in our division of household labors. Um, Anyway, if you plan for packed lunches, four days a week, that still gives you flexibility one day a week to grab lunch with your coworkers, get some takeout, have a work lunch that's been ordered in, etc. Um, I usually make the lunches for the week while I'm cooking dinner on Sunday night. Uh, Mr. Avocado gets his salads and he adds his own protein and dressing to those. I might have an extra pot of something going on the stove like that lentil soup, or I might roast some extra vegetables or sweet potatoes for myself because I tend to want something warm as the weather cools down. During the warmer months, I don't prep, but again, I I work from home. And so it's really easy for me to throw together a quick salad or something like that for lunch during the warm months. Number 12, don't skip meals. The number one problem my clients have when it comes to weight loss is letting themselves get too hungry and then binging on whatever's around. When we're not properly fueled, it's way too easy to eat those cookies in the break room or our kids' leftover goldfish or cold mac and cheese or grilled cheese sandwich. Or we pick so much while we're making dinner that then we're not even hungry for the healthy dinner we prepared. So, you know, eat real meals with protein, fat, and fiber every four to six hours throughout the day. If you're not much of a meal person, you can use those same principles for snack-based meals. A common on-the-go snack lunch for me is a handful of nuts, Uh, for healthy fats and protein, berries for fiber, and hard-boiled eggs for protein. Um, When I did go to my office, I would keep a bag of rice cakes at the office, and then I would, you know, sort of grab and go those little individual containers of hummus, guacamole, and then supplement that with fresh fruits and vegetables. Number 13, practice gratitude. Studies have shown that people who practice gratitude are happier. So no matter what's going on in your life, try to find at least one thing that you're grateful for every day. 
It's nice to do this before bed as you're reviewing your day in your mind. Maybe you're so hung up on those last 10 pounds you think you need to lose that you've forgotten to thank your body for what it does for you every day. Be grateful for your lungs that breathe air for you without even having to think about it, your legs that are strong enough to carry you, etc. If the idea of gratitude doesn't work for you, try asking yourself instead, what's one thing that went well today? Or what's one thing that I accomplished today? There are journals that can help you do this if you're not the DIY type. Um, I personally like uh, one that's called Calm the Chaos, um, but some of my clients have been fans of the five-minute journal or others similar to that. Number 14, practice self-care. Take the time to take care of you. Some days, self-care can look like bubble baths and pedicures. Other days, it looks like washing your dishes and brushing your teeth and paying your student loans. A lot of the time for me, self-care means saying no to something that even though I may want to do it may not be good for my mental health. I've started laying off from work early on Fridays to have a bit of me time before Mr. Avocado comes home from work for the weekend. Um, And Sundays are always self-care Sundays where I do a face mask, maybe some foot masks or other pampering activities to get my brain in a good place for the start of the week. Self-care may look totally different for you, and that's okay. Um, But why don't you try seeing if you can start with one self-care activity a week that you can add to your calendar and then be sure to do it. Fifteen. Take steps to reduce your stress. This one goes along with number 14, but it has an enormous impact on your health and hormones. It's nearly impossible to lose weight or get pregnant or whatever your health goals are if your cortisol levels are constantly raised from being under chronic stress. Dedicate just a few minutes each day to stress reduction, whatever that may mean for you. Meditation, deep breathing, yoga, a walk, whatever works as long as you do it. And it doesn't have to be those stereotypical ideas of stress management either. Music can be a great stress reliever. I have a go-to chill-out song that's exactly 10 minutes long that I will pop in my ears between clients. Or I like to go all out singing 90s music in my car as I'm driving. You do you. One thing that helps me is that my Fitbit buzzes at 10 minutes to the hour if I've been sitting in one place. And instead of using that as a cue to get up and go for a walk, I take that notification as a reminder to take a breathing break during my day. Number 16. Eat mindfully. Decide intentionally what you are going to eat. Then eat it mindfully, being observant of how it looks, smells, tastes, its texture and temperature, and how it makes you feel. If you usually eat in front of the TV or the computer, try shutting the electronics off for one meal a week and focus on your food, who you are eating your food with, etc. 
You're more likely to notice when you're actually satisfied and full when you are paying attention to your eating. Number 17, connect with people. I am an off-the-charts introvert by every measure. So this one is a tough one for me. Um, But even I know it's not good to go weeks without real human connection. Make an effort to connect with friends or family at least once a week for a shared meal or activity. Or even a Zoom catch-up is much more socially acceptable these days. I never regret when I make the decision and take the time to see people I care about who love me unconditionally and give me renewed energy. Of course, the people you're connecting with should be people who you like and who support you so that it's a positive experience and not just an obligation. Number 18, keep track of successful meals. Have you ever made a recipe and loved it and your whole family loved it, but then you forgot all about it? Try keeping a running list of the meals that you make and how well you and your family liked them. Then in the future, when you're struggling for meal planning ideas, you'll have a go-to list of smashing successes to choose from, and you'll be less likely to just make the usual or order takeout. Number 19, get sunlight daily, preferably in the morning. Sunlight helps us get enough vitamin D, which most people are deficient in. Getting sunlight on the back of your eyeballs or your retina, which happens to be near the pineal gland, helps set your circadian rhythm for the whole day. Light in the morning triggers production of melatonin at night. Melatonin is the hormone that helps us sleep. There's actually been some research into circadian rhythm disturbances in PCOS, and helping get your body back on track with the sun can help you adjust. If you live in a northern area like I do, a UV light in the morning during the winter can really help with mood and seasonal affective disorder. And you can get a decent one for like $30, $40. Number 20, pick up a new hobby. Something that makes you happy, takes your mind off things, and is totally engrossing. Have you ever had that experience where you're so involved in what you're doing that you look up and hours have gone by? That's what we're going for here. I personally like to go back and ask myself, what did 12-year-old Melissa like? You know, before I got all caught up in boys, school, drama, and maybe lost some parts of me along the way, 12-year-old Melissa loved reading. I always had a book in my hand. I loved music and the arts, and I was actually kind of a tomboy at times, uh, beating all the boys in the neighborhood when we would do races around our block. I try to incorporate some of that into my life now. I've gone through phases, but I took a drawing class at NYU one year. I've done jewelry making, knitting. Um, My nana actually taught me how to knit as a kid, and I I kind of came back to it. Um, And I also taught myself how to crochet a few years back. 
I don't have as much time for reading or pleasure reading anymore now that I don't have the built-in commuting time I did on the subway in New York City. But I'm working on that and building cozy reading nooks into various areas of my house. Um, And I'm definitely keeping my eye out on the Facebook marketplace for a used piano. Number 21, make that appointment you have been putting off. This might be a mammogram, dentist, eye appointment, dermatologist, OBGYN, endocrinologist, annual physical, etc. Many of us skipped our routine healthcare in 2020 and 2021. um, And it's time to start catching up on all of that because routine healthcare is important because it helps us identify issues before they become bigger and more serious. I definitely did a bunch of these in the spring after getting vaxxed, but I knew we were moving. So I put off getting established with a new dentist till I knew where we were moving to. So that one is still on my list. I hate the dentist. I would rather go to the gynecologist. Um, I brush and floss religiously and I rarely have problems, but I know it's time. So let's make a deal. You make your appointment that you've been putting off and I'll make my dentist appointment. Okay. (laughs) All right. Deal. Number 22, look at harmful habits you might want to stop. I'm talking about those habits that are getting in the way of your long-term goals. Quit smoking or vaping. Look at how your cannabis consumption is affecting what and how much you eat at night. Look at your total alcohol consumption and see if it's more than you should be drinking. You know, FYI, the recommendation is one serving a day for women, which is less than you might think. Uh, One serving equals 12 ounces of beer, five ounces of wine, or 1.5 ounces of hard liquor like vodka. And no, you cannot save up all seven servings for the weekend. And even seven servings a week might be too much if you're dealing with hormone imbalances or trying to get pregnant. So you really need to weigh your current consumption against your goals. Caffeine, no need to cut that one out entirely, but if you're like me and your coffee consumption has crept up over the last year, it might be time to look at going back to a reasonable amount for the day. On the lifestyle front, stop binge watching Netflix or Hulu late into the night, set boundaries with work, friends, and families, or with yourself if you're your own boss like I am. Um, Some of my non-negotiables in this area are laptop shut by 7 p.m., no answering emails at night or on weekends, because did you ever notice that if you do respond to an email during off hours, they just email you right back and then it's like you've started a whole thing. And finally, a bonus. Set a word of the year or phrase of the year or theme for the year. Some ideas to get you started. My word of the year for 2021 was flow because 2020 felt so hard in all of the ways. And I just wanted everything or as much as possible anyway in my life and business to feel easy and good this year. 
Other ideas are balance, focus, simplify, grow, etc. Along those lines, setting three big goals for the year may help you stay focused on what you're working towards and prevent you from getting distracted by things that don't get you closer to your goals. That's all, folks. I hope these ideas help you focus your New Year's resolutions this year towards steps that will actually make a difference in your life and in your health. I've made the 22 New Year's resolution hacks into a handout that you can download if you go to the show notes on this page. Print it out and refer back to it when setting your goals for the year. I'd love to hear which of these you choose to incorporate in 2022, or if you have other ideas instead, be sure to tag me at the.hormone.dietitian if you're sharing your New Year's goals on social media. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. See you next time. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could open up the podcast app you're probably using to listen to this episode right now and leave a quick rating or review. Your reviews help this podcast get seen by more women who could benefit from the information I share here. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, stay balanced. Stay balanced.